Good morning, America. Welcome to Percolating Perspective, episode number 26, the podcast that offers you some perspective on America. I'm your host, Gordon Michael Porter. Today on Percolating Perspective, we are going to discuss a concept that's really been gaining ground in the past few months, and I think it's a great development that needs to be fostered and given serious consideration to. This concept we will call getting back to basics, and it's something that I've really been thinking about and considering myself and my own life and family in the past year or so, and I think it's something we need to analyze as a culture. Before we get into the drip of the day, though, just a quick announcement that we'll be making on the next few podcasts. We're going to start pushing advertising and promotion hard in the summertime. As a result, we're going to make some big design changes, as we mentioned before, and that includes changing the name of the show. The show starting May 1st will be renamed to Brood in America. And the format, the concept of the show will not change. We'll continue to bring you what I hope to be your favorite freedom and coffee-loving content of the week. But these changes are necessary and will help us to be discovered by more and more listeners such as yourself who love America and who love them some coffee. It is a beautiful spring morning in 1947 in the little Florida town of Defuniac Springs. This little town that circumvents the naturally round, the most naturally round lake in the world was created to be a getaway from the New York and Chicago hustle and bustle. Famous authors, lawyers, real estate tycoons, and doctors of great renown have built beautiful, ornate Victorian homes around the lake as a way to decompress for a few months and to reflect on their previous year. On Baldwin Avenue, just a few minutes up the road, a five-minute walk, really, down the street, you'll find everything you need from a hardware store, a pharmacy, a bank, and most importantly, a small coffee shop called the Busy Bee Cafe. Sit down with me this morning, relax, enjoy a cup of fresh coffee that was shipped to Defuniac Springs by way of rail from Denver, Colorado, called Boyer's. This morning, I am sipping on a cup of Boyer's, uh, a blend called Mashup. The fascinating thing about this coffee is it's actually made from beans that are grown all around the world. It's not single source. And this particular bag was actually made from beans from Costa Rica and Honduras. And this coffee, it is absolutely delicious. It's it got a very buttery smooth flavor, uh, light, nice Florida style citrus to it. It's a little bit of chocolate, orange, and even a little bit of plum. Um, amazingly, though, this is not an artificially flavored coffee, and it is evident that the roaster knew exactly what they were doing. They are a master because even being artifi not artificially flavored, you definitely get the strong hints of chocolate and plum and orange in it. Really good stuff. When you're grinding the beans and getting it ready, it has a very light and sweet aroma, but it is somewhat intense. And it actually it filled the entire room of my house in my dining room that actually ground the beans here. And, you know, I, th this particular blend I put through my Stanley percolator, uh, ground the beans to a coarse grind so that you know, we don't have issues with the grind, the grounds getting stuck in the, in the filter. And so I got a coarse grind and it was absolutely worth it. Delicious. I cannot recommend you try this enough. You can find it at boyerscoffee.com or just Google Boyers, uh, B-O-Y-E-R apostrophe S. Great, great cup of coffee. It is the mashup blend. It's a green bag, uh, medium roast. It is well worth your time. 
Um, I mean, the flavor, again, not to go on and on about this, but the flavor is is not really that intense, but it is certainly recognizable. It's instantly recognizable. It's very different. And for those of you who love coffee but aren't concerned with being, you know, the toughest guy in town and drinking motor oil mixed with battery acid, this is the coffee for you. And congrats to Boyers for this mashup blend. Again, it is a wonderful cup of coffee. And I just tried this back for the first time, uh, or this this brand, even Boyers. I had never tried it before until this episode. And they have earned a spot on my coffee bar in my house. This is a first-rate coffee. So um, check them out. Uh, Google Boyers Coffee, B-O-Y-E-R apostrophe S, out of Denver, Colorado. Well worth your time. Now, back to Defuniac Springs in 1947, while the doctors, authors, lawyers, and real estate magnates are enjoying their time away from the daily New York and Chicago beat, just a few miles down the road, Albert and Ola are getting ready for a big day that they have been planning and saving for for a long time. You see, not everybody in Defuniac Springs is a bucket of wealth, but a simple way of life is what draws the rich and famous to this little town. Albert, who works on the road crew locally, and Ola, a welder in the shipyard down in nearby Freeport, have been putting away everything they can to make one of the biggest purchases they've made in their entire adult lives. They're finally able to buy a refrigerator for their home and for their children. They drive into town and they take a look at what's on hand and available available to be delivered the day of. And wouldn't you know, the latest model sitting on the showroom floor is the biggest refrigerator that's been built for residential use to this point in 1947. Built by GE, this one is called the Hot Point. This refrigerator has a price tag of little over $200, which accounted for inflation, adjusted for inflation in 2023, would be the equivalent of almost $3,000 now. That refrigerator that Albert and Ola Shaw, my great-grandparents, purchased in 1947 still sits in my kitchen today and runs just as well as it did in 1947. They used this refrigerator in their home until Ola passed in 2004. They were not concerned with having the latest model of refrigerator, even in 1974, 84, 94, all the way up into her death in 2004, They were not concerned with having the latest and greatest. They had a great refrigerator that worked and served them well for a long time. They did not need anything more than what they had. They were content with what they had. Why were they were not concerned with getting higher pay and a more fast paced job to finance a more material way of life that we're advertised to today? Well, why is that? Well, I think the answer, as many of the earmarks of American culture are, is found in the Bible. And the Bible has a lot to say about slowing down and having what we nowadays would consider a slow and simple life. Several verses come to mind, one of which being Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 21, which says that we're not to meddle with those who are given to change, uh, and their, their calamity cometh quickly. Or, you know, another verse is James chapter 1 and verse 8. It says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And I think it would be really easy, honestly, to characterize America in its current 2023 state as being given to change, double-minded, and unstable. Um, I do think there are a few things that we have forgotten that really characterized and, you know, somebody could identify the American culture by for centuries that I think we need to go back and remember. 
Um, in, in the 2020 election, we had about 18 million people vote that did not remember 9-11. Either they were too young to remember or they hadn't even been born yet. It is very, very, very difficult to preserve a culture if you don't remember what it was in the first place. And I think that a lot of our culture has been forgotten just because slowly but surely the advertising world and social media have eroded away what America was and is. Well, not is. It's not is anymore. I think our culture has been forgotten. But luckily for you, you have percolating perspective to help remember those things. And I've got five things here that I want to present to you for you to consider and think on and maybe implement in your own life. And I'm doing it in my own life as well. Um, there are five basic building blocks that I want to run past you. Number one being preparation. Now, let me caveat this by saying I'm not saying be a prepper. In fact, far from it. Um, America for centuries was a prepared people. Um, everybody who lived through the Great Depression, either as an adult or a child, knew how to can food and how to store it. In fact, they even built their homes to accommodate such preparation. And that was that was part of their life was preparation for something unforeseen. And in fact, my house uh, that I live in now was built in 1947. And on the back side of the house, there is a room specifically dedicated to canning. There are shelves on three walls, and they're just lined with ball mason jar, glass mason jars, full of green beans, tomatoes, and all this sort of stuff that I cleaned out when I got the house that had been there for probably two or three decades. And I'm telling you, 75% of it probably could have still been eaten. There was nothing wrong with it. People knew how to can, but more importantly, they did can. It does you no good to know how to do something if you don't do it. In American culture, for centuries, preparation was just a way of life because you don't know what life is going to hand you. And while we'll get into this in just a minute, where I'm not saying that you should replace faith in God to take hold of your life and to uh, protect you by his divine providence. I'm not saying replace that. What I'm saying is, as God has given you gray matter between your ears to prepare for a rainy day. Go to the ant, thou sluggard, as Proverbs says. America also knew that a family garden and a few farm animals were a must to survive. That was part of preparation, was to have meat roaming around in the yard for a rainy day. And, you know, we found out in COVID specifically that dependence on supply chains and grocery stores is a really bad idea. And really, and truthfully, it's a pretty new concept. I'd say probably around the 1960s, maybe 70s, that really became a part of life. But maybe even the 90s, uh, where, you know, people, what 90 plus percent of their consumption came from, you know, something other than their yard. I think that is relatively new. It might have been older than the 90s, maybe 70s and 80s, possibly even the 60s. But the vast majority of American history, if you want to call it all the way back to 1620 when the pilgrims landed, the vast majority of the time, farm animals in a garden or a farm was just – that was just something you had to do to survive. And now we have – our attention has been demanded away from that and been given to a supply chain and a, you know, a retail front – that is not sustainable uh, over over you know all kinds of economic hardship. 
And, you know, part of preparation is being able to handle tough situations and hard situations, you know, and being able to roll with the punches. Uh, you know, another part of preparation, the American man, no matter where he went, always had a pen, he had a pocket knife, he had a watch. He was self-sustainable. He was able to, you know, no matter what his day threw at him, he was able to handle it. Um, you know, something fascinating to me along the lines of preparation, and this is also financial preparation as well. The American family, uh, it was a staple of the American family and just a smart thing to do. And it's, it comes right out of the Bible. In fact, go to the Anthel Sluggard. This is what this is talking about. But having a savings account and actually having a little bit of a nest egg, in 2022, this, this study comes from the Bureau of Labor and Statistics. Blew my mind. In 2022, 64% of American households live paycheck to paycheck. 64%. According to that same study, 50% of Americans across all demographics, black, white, male, female, East Coast, West Coast, North, South, whatever, 50%, 315 million Americans cannot cover an expense of $500 or less. And 25% of that cannot cover an unexpected expense of $100. That is horrible. And it's really, you know, full disclosure here and just full transparency. This is, you know, me talking to you as a friend and, you know, we're working through this together and trying to get America back on the right track. This is something that, you know, it takes a lot of work and something that I've had to work through personally and something, you know, we as, as a family have worked through over the years is getting, you know, some sort of a nest egg or something to fall back on in case of a rainy day or and it's not even a case of a rainy day. I mean, we're seeing some real economic turbulence starting to show up right now and in fact if you've been paying attention uh, a couple days ago saturday uh, we saw uh, where no less than a dozen countries in the world have just decided that you know what the american dollar really isn't the best idea for a reserve currency and they backed out of it one of those countries is mexico which is you know basically america's um, uh, uh, manufacturing plant is mexico they have they have committed to getting out of the American dollar as a reserve currency. That's terrifying. But truth be told, it's only been really in the most recent modern history since World War II that the U.S. dollar has been the reserve currency for the world. You know, the previous, you know, 200 years, 300 years before that, America was not the reserve currency or the U.S. dollar is not the reserve currency for the world. That's a relatively, relatively recent development. And while that is somewhat terrifying that these countries are doing that. I think it's also a short-term pain, but a long-term gain because America, you know, uh, the fact that what we do with our economy is so, you know, so many other countries are dependent on that means that our neck is on the line when something goes south. So I don't think, I think that's certainly something you need to watch and something to be careful about. And it's something that you need to have a savings account to, you know, handle the ups and downs of the market. But it's certainly not something that I would, you know, lose sleep over. Again, you know, it's in the Lord's hands. Um, but anyway, moving on from preparation, number two, and I think this is a big one, is contentment. America was a place of contentment. In fact, until... Again, probably around the 60s, 70s, 80s, America was characterized by, you know, you didn't just trade in a car every year and go get the latest model. You know, if you bought a house, in fact, you know, my grandparents, my parents even do this. And it probably, and you know, if the Lord sees fit, it'll be the same with my family. 
Um, you know, people used to buy a house and they lived there and died there. Uh, my grandparents, um, both sets, they li- the house they live in right now, they've been living in since about 1974. Now, they did do some moving before that, but once they finally, you know, they had a family, um, bought a house, and they made a home. They set down roots. I think that is something that America has lost, especially in my generation, the millennial generation. Setting down roots and putting down roots and living somewhere for a long time is scary because that's commitment. And speaking as a millennial, millennials have real commitment issues, and that's something we're going to have to get over if our country is going to make it. Um, you know, and you know, again, going back, you know, leasing and car trade-ins, you know, far outpace now buying a car and driving it for 10 years or more, you know, buying a car and driving it that long is unheard of. In fact, uh, you know, um, I'd say that most people now, and I don't know if you ever follow, follow Dave Ramsey and any of his stuff, you know, some of it, I, I do like Dave Ramsey and we followed him uh, and a lot of his principles are biblical. Some stuff he's, you know, whatever, it's up to opinion, but, you know, for the most part, what he talks about is biblical principle. Um, but one thing that I have, that he has mentioned just in following him over the years is that, you know, right now the average car payment in the United States is $700 a month. Okay, well, aside from that being incredibly high, what happens most of the time is people will have that $700 car payment, they'll drive the car for a year, and then right around the time, you know, a year and a half, two years comes by, they'll go trade it in. They'll go trade it in for far, far, far less than the car is worth because the car dealership's got to make money. And then they take on another car payment that is probably more than the original car payment they had. And so this just snowballs into financial chaos. And so, you know, that wasn't always the case. Uh, It used to be that, you know, you would save up and buy a car and then you would drive that thing until the doors fell off. And I know, speaking from experience, it's very difficult, nigh on impossible, to buy a car now cash. But I think there's something to be said about buying in your means. Don't buy above your means and actually buy something that that you can drive for a long, long time. The pickup truck that I drive now, um, you know, almost daily is a 1996 Ford. And the thing drives just as good as the day it rolled off the lot, I'm sure. Uh, great truck, and I intend on having it until its doors literally fall off the truck. I love it. Uh, but it's not something that I'm going to go sell in five minutes and go buy another truck and then sell that one and buy another one. And uh, That is something that I did as a younger person and something that I do regret is not buying something and sticking with it. Um, but as Paul said, when I became a man, I put away childish things, and I intend to have the cars that I have now for a long time. But, you know, again, I'm kind of getting off track here, but something that really defined American culture for centuries was contentment with what you have. Your home was your home for for 40 years, 50 years, and that was just your home. You didn't, you know, go sell your house and go buy another bigger house in five years. Uh, number three the third point that I want to bring up is faith in church. Um, I think this is something that, you know, uh, may not be something that you're used to hearing on percolating perspective, but I think it's something that absolutely needs to be said. America is in a real uh, tough time right now, and it takes tough language to get out of tough times. Church and God is critical to this getting to us getting out of the the situation we're in and it's not something where we need to foster that relationship just to get out of the mess we're in 
it's something that we need to foster that relationship because we need to foster that relationship. God is worthy of that. And, you know, coming kind of on the heels of Easter Sunday here, you know, you it's not just a matter of following Christian principles. You can follow Christian principles in your life and live a much better life than anybody who isn't. You'll come out in the wash as being better off having lived Christian principles. But having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ who died for your sins and kept your sorry soul out of hell, that is what is going to save America. And you, you know, uh, this is, again, friend to friend here and somebody who, you know, um, uh, has has dealt with that and has a relationship with the Lord. That is something that you need to focus on to get your family geared up for what's coming and to get the culture back to where it needs to be. Um, you know, we can complain about movies and music and everything else all day long about how bad stuff is getting, as our last podcast did. But really and truthfully, the culture is an outgrowth of the Christian society. Our society for a long, long time, whether that was, you know, movies, music, whatever else, was an outgrowth of a Christian society. And what we are seeing now is the outgrowth of a pagan society. And if you want things to change, I encourage you, if you went to church yesterday for Easter Sunday, I commend you for that. That is a wonderful thing, and I'm glad you went. But commit to going next Sunday, too, and go the Sunday after, and go to Wednesday, too. Or Thursday. One of my best friends, uh, Jesse Adcock, his church down in uh, Miramar Beach, they have theirs on Thursday, which I think is kind of cool, different. Um, but, um, you know, go to church. I think that's that's critical. And even if you don't, you know, you don't know the songs, you know, whatever, that's fine. That's fine. That's not, you know, just go. And while that alone is not going to save you from anything, certainly not hell, it'll certainly get you on the right track. It can't hurt, Right. Um, so, you know, America was a church-going culture. And then even the Declaration of Independence, said, you know, we had a firm reliance on divine protection of our creator. You know, all of the things mentioned here uh, so far, the, the, the blocks that I'm talking about, the p- pieces and parts of American culture that are lost are an outgrowth of a faith-driven Christian society. All right. Number four is modesty. And I don't necessarily mean in clothing, but I do mean in clothing too. Uh, but my my greater point here, or maybe to to redefine that a little bit, as we millennials like to call it, is minimalism. No need for extravagance. America was never ever an extravagant country until around the 1960s. Again, uh, is when things started to kind of head that direction. America now is characterized by abundance and wearing your wealth. You know, um, gold in your teeth uh, used to be a thing of necessity, and now it's just a place to show off your money that you have no idea what to do with or how to manage. You know, uh, and I think the same is true with, you know, churches in the modern American culture. You know, we have to have, you know, lasers and fog machines and, and praise bands and 85 classes for 32 demographics of people. You know, the the church that America was built on and the church that made America great was a one-room building with hard, uncomfortable pinewood pews, a solid oak pulpit, and a preacher pounding it. That is the church that built America. The church that we have now is actively undoing America. The church that we have now is fake, at least in large part across the country. 
And in large part, meaning about 98% of America's churches are like that. You know, um, and, and, and to the point of modesty, you know, going to clothing, you know, and, and hitting on that, you know, America used to be a modest culture in our clothing. Clo- clothing was appropriate for the occasion that you were in. It was not over the top. It was not loud. It wasn't extra. You know, today, America must have, you know, tight T-shirts, triple stitch jeans, flashy shoes, and, you know, women must advertise that the farm is always for sale to the right buyer. And to be completely honest, despite what my wife thinks, Liberty overalls are, there's nothing wrong with wearing overalls. I love overalls. I love wearing overalls. And reason being is they're comfortable, they're durable, and, you know, hey, they they got the job done for, you know, 100 years uh, in this country. Uh, probably more than that. Probably more more like 200 years now. Uh, overalls uh, was the staple of the American workplace. And, you know, so this is has nothing to do with the topic for today. This is just me, you know, um, trying to prove a point to my wife who inevitably will listen to this eventually. Liberty overalls are great. And sorry that I disagree with you, baby. Um, the fifth thing that I really want to drive home and, and, you know, something that the American culture, we have forgotten about our culture and something that we need to really, really focus on is family. America was a place where on any given night of the week, if you were to look through the window of 85% of the homes in the average small town, undoubtedly you would find a family at a table enjoying dinner together. America was a place where, you know, men generally would avoid a fight unless you spoke ill about their mother, father, sister, or brother. You know, family, you know, if you get your family right, America will follow suit. America, American culture, even politics is downstream of the family and the health of the family. Uh, American culture was strong in that the rest of the world could fall apart. As long as you're able to provide for your family, the world can wait. Now the mentality has really reversed from that where now now your family can fall apart as long as I have something to show for it at the end. And, you know, something that's, you know, I think often forgotten about American history is that until, you know, the civil rights movement, the democratic civil rights movement and affirmative action and all those things that came through, up until that point, the the African American black families I won't call them African Americans they're Americans just like everybody else. I cannot stand it when people do that, and I just did it out of habit. They are Americans. Black Americans, their family unit was sh- the strongest family unit in the country until about the 1960s. And you know, really and truthfully, uh, the you know the divorce rate was lower. Um, the success rate of their kids was higher, and the reason you know can be speculated on as to why that is, but you know point being is America was better off and society was better off when the family was strong. And now I do believe I don't don't take don't don't hear what I'm not saying here. Civil rights was absolutely a needed to happen and things needed to change. However, the way Democrats went about it with the Democrat Civil Rights Act was was awful and to quote lyndon b johnson um you know if they if the democrats voted the civil rights act of the democratic party they'd have you know and i won't use his word but black people would be voting democrat for the next 200 years 
there was a definite reason why they did that. And I'm, I'm again, I'm getting off topic here, but you know, the the overarching point here is the family. The family is critical. Uh, you know, Black Lives Matter, um, the the LGBTQ AI element OP carry the one uh, divided by sign tilde uh, group. They actively seek to destroy the nuclear family. That is their stated mission. That is their stated goal. And, you know, any sort of communist movement, that is the case. And the reason being is you cannot have a, you cannot, free societies depend on healthy families. And they know that. The devil knows that. And in order to put people in chains and to control them, you have to destroy the nuclear family. And God forbid that ever happens in the United States, but it's happening right before our eyes. And I encourage you to make sure that doesn't happen. And and really and truthfully, the first step in doing that is going back to point three, which is faith in church. Get your family to church. Strengthen that family. Strengthen your your core, which is family. Um, so just, you know, a couple things to think about, things that I think are important. Um, you know, the five five points. If you think of something else that, you know, is critical that America has forgotten in her culture, uh, you know, send me a message on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or even leave a review on, on your podcast app and let me know in, uh, in your review. Just make sure you leave a five-star review if you do that because it wouldn't be constructive criticism if you told me something and didn't leave a five-star review too. But, uh, you know, so preparation, being a society that prepares, cans, can food. You know, store, can some food, te- learn how to do it. If you don't know how to do it, learn how to do it. If you don't know how to fix your own car, if you don't know how to work on your own lawnmower, learn how to do it. You got YouTube. YouTube is an incredible, incredible tool that American culture didn't have before. Use that to be prepared for the worst, even though the worst may not happen. And even though you need to have faith that God's going to take care of it, you need to be sure that you are prepared to handle it. Be content. That's number two. Contentment. Be content with what you have. You know, you don't need. You know, right now, the uh, this was another stat uh, that I found that Americans, their phones, they don't hold on to their phones any longer than about a year and a half on average. Guys, that's a thousand to two thousand dollars every year and a half. You're just tossing. Be content with what you have. I mean, I know, I know. Like I've had my phone now for you know, I think two or three years. And, you know, it's still serving me well. Um, you know, I know, and I know, I know a phone's not something that's going to last you 40 years, but a landline will, you know, be content with what you have. Be content with the basics. Get back to the basics. That's the whole point of this episode. Get back to the basics. Family, preparation, contentment, church, modesty, being conservative, not in politics, but in principle, in ideology. That is what we need to get back to. America was built on on all of these things, you know. And, and going back, this is just something to come across my thought pattern here. But going back to church and modesty and, and all that sort of stuff, that you know, the the church that built America, it's not even not even recognizable now. There's maybe a handful of churches in the country now that look even remotely close to what our church looked like that built America and that, and that founded, you know, government protected freedom. And it's something we need to get back to or we're going to lose it. And as your friend, as your neighbor, as your fellow American, you know, 
the culture is something that if we, as we said in the intro, if we don't remember it, there is no hope in protecting it. You must be diligent in, in going back to the basics. We don't need, you know, there's really a whole lot we don't need, like Wi-Fi and Bluetooth and everything else. I'm, what I'm not advocating here is being Amish. But what I am advocating for here is a simple way of living that is content, prepared, modest, and driven by a faith in God. And making sure that your family is secure in that faith in God and making sure that your family is on its way to heaven. America, I love you. And, you know, I, also, before I get to the close here, so uh, the audio may or may not be quite as good as it normally is. Reason being, uh, my audio system, all of it just kind of went up in smoke today for whatever reason, and I've got some technical difficulties I'm working through. So, you know, uh, bear with me. I'm hoping by next week we'll have uh, the show back to where it should be with intro music and, you know, the drip of the day music and all the stuff that, you know, really and truthfully you come here to listen to. And, you know, how can we forget, you know, Joe Biden, America can only be, de- can be defined in one word. I mean, I miss that. That was the highlight of my week was that. America, I love you. I will never, ever give up on you. You are dear to me. I love you with every fiber of my being, and I will go to my grave trying to teach your ways and teach what made you great and preserving what made you great. I will die trying. And if I get, you know, who knows how bad the world will get in the next 20 or 30 years. But... I hope it never comes to this, but I am willing to go to my grave fighting for this country. And I hope that you are too. She is worth dying for. America is an exceptional place. And I don't mean exceptional like Barack Obama said, India is exceptional or Great Britain's exceptional. I mean, America is different. America truly is the greatest country on earth ever has been and I believe ever will be. I dearly love my home. I dearly love my country. And, you know, in fact, let's make that point six. Something that needs that we need to get back to in our culture is patriotism. And even if you don't have a reason, and, and let's say you haven't been listening to the past 25 episodes of Percolating Perspective and don't have a reason to love America, love America because it's your home. Be proud of America because it's your home. If you don't love America and you're not proud of it just because you love the look of that red, white, and blue flag. I promise you, I, I have, you know, going back to the nest egg, I will happily give up my emergency fund to buy you a one-way ticket to Burma. Contact me on Facebook or any other social media or, you know, any other way you can get a hold of me. I will happily buy you a one-way ticket to whatever country you want. If you don't love America just for the sake of it being your home, despite the fact that that this was truly a nation built on all men are created equal and are equal before the law and are built equal in the eyes of God, even if you don't believe that or even know that that happened or exists, if you don't love America just because it's your home, get out. With that, America, I love you. Until next week, I'm your host, Gordon Michael Porter. 
Don't forget, the new name of the show will be Brewed in America starting May 1st. Look for all of our advertising and all of our logos and things to be changing in the meantime uh, up to that point so that May 1st we are off to the races and, and starting over uh, – or not starting over, excuse me, starting off uh, from the from a, a new uh, name. The All the episodes will remain in place. It's just the name changing. The feed will not change. So you can find us on the same place on your podcast app anywhere that you listen. America, God bless. I love you. Talk to you next week. Thank you. Bye.